If you're wanting to amp up your motivation or learn some of the most powerful mindset tools and info when it comes to getting the most out of your own mindset, then I'm running a free five-day motivation reboot challenge. It's only one hour per day over five days and is absolutely free and exclusive to my community. So if you're wanting to get more motivated or learn how to get the best out of yourself and your mindset, then register for my free upcoming Motivation Reboot Challenge. The free link is on the Michael Mojo Facebook page. I've also dropped an extra bonus on my Facebook page for all those who are wanting to get the most out of their mindset. I look forward to seeing you in the free challenge. There's actually no such thing as self-sabotage. It's just a reprioritization of unfulfilled values. Hmm. Once you realize it's that, life becomes so much easier and you don't beat yourself up about it. You're just like, yeah. The most driven people in the world want to build great empires and leave a great legacy. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is my attempt at documenting the lessons I'm learning on my way to building a $100 million empire that helps people perform better in life and business. My hope is that you use these lessons to live a kick-ass life while building your own empire and leaving a powerful legacy. I hope you share and enjoy. Driven mofos. I'm going to share with you a special episode of the One Talk podcast today with host Ryan McCarthy. So recently I was on his podcast. He asked me a whole host of questions in regard to success, achieving more, my life, self-sabotage patterns, procrastination, destructive behavior. We went down the rabbit hole. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is part one of a four-part series. Remember to share this episode if you enjoy it. Welcome, Michael Johnson. How are you, brother? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm going well, thanks. Thank um, looking at the work you do and looking at the work that you do and everything that you provide to the world in terms of value around performance. Even like investing in mindset. Very incredible to see and to have this on the online space as well and also in the real world too. So I just want to say I'm very appreciative of the work that you do. Thanks, mate. I, I really appreciate it. It's uh yeah, I just want to get this stuff out to more people and help more people crush it in life. Yeah, because but looking at your content and watching your content, the work that you do, one thing that came to my mind is that you got so much knowledge and information around so many subjects. So I like to ask, how do you find yourself continuing to learn and grow? Because uh, there's always another problem or an obstacle that's stopping me from building a, a billion dollar empire that helps people to perform better. So, you know, whether it's health or uh, whether it's mindset, whether it's business, whether it's sales, marketing, you know, there, there's always something like, I think life is very holistic. And mm. I think that science does a really good job of specializing in certain fields. Um, and they, they do a really good job of going really deep into a very niche topic most of the time. But unfortunately, it can come at the expense of how humans live. And, mm. you know, I know that as a business owner, if my intimate relationship has turned to shit, that now stops my business from working effectively because my daily my daily thoughts are on my relationship and what's going on at home, not getting the next level in my business. So therefore, I've got to fix my relationship in order to fix my business. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, if I've got self-doubt and concerns and I'm on the phone doing sales, then now I'm starting to doubt whether my products or services are good enough. I might be mm -hmm. comparing myself to others. So my mindset then plays a role in sales. What I've found is that normally, I think if people are self-aware enough, and, and I assume that a lot of your listeners are, that when someone's self-aware enough, they realize that there's always a gap and there's always another obstacle. Like humans essentially solve a problem and just create another problem. Yeah. So if we're aware enough, we want to be thinking about what the next problem is that we're going to come up against and start to solve that problem now. Mm. 
So I just started when I was young, like I never used to think about this stuff. I was pretty shit at shit at school. So I got kicked out of school at 15 and ended up wanting to end my life and then um, ended up going back to school and finished grade 12 and I became a diesel mechanic. But mm. while I was there, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I came across personal training, which was 20, almost 20 years ago now. Um, and it was just a field that no one really, it wasn't a, a proper field like it is now. It was like, mm. you know, dudes would just wear Bintang shirts and, you know, <laughs> Cooper's Ale shirts into the gym and they'd have a smoke and walk in and drop it. And, and so that was the majority, like that was a gym back in the day, or there was like a whole bunch of women that would come in and do the aerobics classes <laughs> and jump up and down and shit. Yeah. Um, or there was like the big meatheads that would just come in all juiced up and just like smash heavy weights around. <laughs> it wasn't a professional field like it is now. It was mm. it was the start of it, but it wasn't what it is now. And so when I went back to study personal training, I was like, shit, I actually enjoy learning, which was the mm. first time I'd really enjoyed learning properly. And then as a personal trainer, I was I I I, I really wanted to help people more. That was a thing that I I loved. Mm. Um but when I was teaching people how to exercise, all of a sudden I realized, well, hang on, nutrition impacts people's ability to heal. Mm. So then I started studying nutrition. Then I noticed that there was a lot of injuries and I'm going, okay, well, there's injuries. So now I need to go back and study, um, you know, how to rehab. And, and so I started working with physiotherapists, which 20 years ago wasn't the norm. Like it was mm. just, no one used to do that. Um, <laughs> physios and chiropractors and all that used to think that personal trainers were just absolute jugheads. And so I worked my way into that industry of, you know, working with those types of people. And then as time went along, I, I was working in a medical center and I, I was doing physical rehabilitation and, and sports performance. And I was sitting there listening to this guy talk one day and I just thought, shit, everyone knows what to do. They just don't fucking do it. Mm. So that's what led me to the mindset part. So what I've realized is that there's always gaps that people are trying to bridge. And the more self-aware you are, the more you bridge those gaps and the faster you bridge those gaps, but the more you've got to learn a lot about a lot of things. Mm. I think what most people do is they go, well, you know, I'm a business owner. Biz business is going okay, but it's not sort of going as well as what I want it to. Sales are shit. My staff are crap. Um, you know, I, 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 I like doing my job, but I don't really like managing all the rest of the shit. And I like the money that I'm making. Hmm. but that's a huge block. Like essentially they're living a shit life now. Yeah. And they're not doing anything to change it because they, they won't admit to themselves that look, I I'm not the best salesperson and I'm not the best at marketing. I don't know how to lead people. I don't know how to manage. I I'm not good at putting in management processes. And the truth is that I'm not going to figure it out on my own. Hmm. The smart people go, I'm not going to figure it out on my own. I know that there are all these problems. Let's bridge this gap and let's like, you know, double, triple, quadruple the business in the next 12 to 24 months. Mm. when you do that like i i've got a philosophy on life in, and is that winners keep winning and losers always lose yeah the day you feel like a loser is the day you start losing mm. that's it it's so like, true. don't don't fucking lose like we all go through it i wake up some mornings and i'm like oh man fuck all this shit's going on and then i catch myself and i'm like loser just stop being a fucking loser like get up get out of bed and do something to win because once you start putting <laughs> runs on the board you want to keep winning and you build your own courage and you build that confidence and you build the self-belief and all that stuff and you try things. Yeah. Not everything works. Like nine in entrepreneurship, nine out of 10 things will turn to shit. Mm. But the one out of 10 things, you knock it out the fucking ballpark and, and that's how you win the game.
Yeah. Most people, they, they get two or three losses on the board and then they start to get scared and they start to get worried and all that. And so it just, it prevents them from doing anything great in life. Mm. And I, I really don't believe there's, there's some magic secret to life. It's like, first of all, and by the way, I've gone off track wildly here. So just pull me up and tell me to shut up. No, you're right. I love it. It's good. But like the first thing in life that no one gets taught is you've got to know thyself, know who you are. Yeah. No one gets taught that. You go to school or, or from a young age, your parents teach you how to act and behave. And then you start to replicate. Mm. So you replicate your parents. You know, your parents argue. So then, you know, 20 years later, you're in, an, in a relationship and you've got a problem. And instead of communicating effectively, now you're in an argument. Mm. Why? Because you're never taught how to negotiate. You were never taught about value structures and that your intimate partner is completely different than you. And the way that their brain works is completely different. But instead of understanding that, you try to turn them into you and you try to change the way that they behave and they get mm. pissed off because you don't accept them for them and they try to change you. And so most people spend their whole life trying to live up to everyone else's expectations and standards. Mm. And that sets them up from failure from like a young age. Yeah. So now you get 20, 30, 40, 50 year old people who come to my events and they're like, I'm just lost. Mm. No fucking shit you lost. You've spent 30 years studying how to be everybody else. Yeah. How much time have you spent studying yourself? Like, people take on other people's values too much in life. That's that's 100% correct, right? And so mm. they spent 30 years studying how to be what everyone else wants them to be. And I say to them, come to one of my events. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's expensive. I'm like, in your own mind, you want to build a big empire. Let's say, like, let's just say you want to build a $100 million empire, $10 million empire. Let's say it's not even a business. Let's say you want to build a great family. What's the cost of that by you not living it? You're essentially marking off the days to your death. Mm. Like today, I'm one day closer to dying. Yeah. So that is, that's, that's non-debatable. I'm a day closer at the end of today. Did, was it worth a day of my life to do the shit that I'm doing today? If not, then mm. change it. Until people experience the pain of like, I'm, I, my life, I'm getting closer to dying. Yeah. Most people don't change shit. That's why the best time for in, in the best time to change in most people's lives is when they hit rock bottom, or when they have their birthday, and normally like a twentieth, a thirtieth, a fortieth, a fiftieth, because it's the time that they actually stop and reflect and go, you know, I'm way off track here. Mm. But then some people just go, you know what, drugs, alcohol. I'm going to yeah. watch some more TV. You know, I'm going to watch my Geordie Shore or or whatever, and, and distract myself from that shit because they don't want to think about it. And then they go back to all their other friends and they sit in the circle and they all complain about how shit life is and retirement. Like if you're thinking about retirement, your life is already fucked. Like it's over. Yeah. Game over. The great, great thinkers don't think about retirement. They don't even want retirement. Richard Branson still works and he's a multi-billionaire. Elon yeah. Musk never has to work again. Still working. Why? Because they've got something to work towards. They're always There's, working towards something. And it's something that fulfills them as well. It's been on that direction of purpose and having something that they can always be on that's going to fulfill them which keeps you driving in life and but when you live a fulfilled life <clears throat> when you live a fulfilled life that keeps you away from things like depression and negative intrusive thoughts and all these things that are going to drag you back in life so if you have a direction and purpose that fulfills you it's going to keep driving you with more energy as you go on in life yeah and i mean i had chronic fatigue when or I, I, I didn't get officially diagnosed, but I, I remember being in the medical center after just almost collapsing. Um, I, I was in a nightclub and I thought someone had spiked my drink. Mm. And the next morning I woke up and I was still shivering. I actually woke up in the shower because I'd passed out. And um, I went to the doctor and he said, you've got chronic fatigue. And he said, I, I remember the words. He said, you will never have the energy of a normal person. 
Mm. And in my head, I could, because I was a little prick and I'm still, I'm still a prick. Um, I hate when people tell me what to do. And I hate when people define who I am as a person. I hate mm. it. Yeah. And I've always been like that. So my mum would say, don't touch that. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm touching it. I'm and then I'd get in trouble. <laughs> so, so when the doctor said, you'll never have the energy of a normal person, I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to go find out how to get the energy of a normal person. Mm. So that's actually what led me down the path of studying like more nutrition. And I started keeping a food journal and I noticed that certain foods made me lethargic after I would eat, whereas other foods made me feel like, um, I won't say energized because a lot of people like when we talk about energy, a lot of people think overstimulation is yeah. energy and it's not, it's like just I eat and I don't even notice that I've eaten. Like I still have the same amount of energy before I ate as after I ate. And so mm. like, I, I like that consistency, not the big peaks and troughs because what goes up has to come back down. Yeah. Um, and so I started studying, like I started studying that and trying to learn as much as I could about nutrition and about the way my body worked. And so I kept a food journal and I started noticing, you know, every time I ate pasta, I bloat. Every time I ate bread, I bloat. That would make me tired. I would, you know, after after a couple of meals of pasta and bread, I would be gone, passed out. Yeah. I've never had a gluten intolerance test, but I just removed anything with gluten in my diet mm. and my energy is fine. But I noticed that the biggest factor that played the number one most crucial role in my energy levels was my mindset. The more mm. stressed out I was, the more frustrated I was, the more crazy my expectations and unrealistic expectations I put on myself, the more burnt out I would get. Yeah. Also, the more erratic I would be in my behaviors. So I would go super hard and I would go flat out and then I'd burn out and then flat out and then burn out. And when I burnt mm. out, I'd beat myself up and feel like I wasn't good enough and I just, I felt, I, I couldn't rest. I felt like shit. I felt guilty mm. and ashamed for resting. And, and it was like, I had these big peaks and troughs. The more work I did on my mindset, the more my energy goes up. And like now I work, you know, 70, 80 hours a week, every week. And I don't like, I don't really sit around and do shit. Like I'm, I, yeah. most things I do are purposeful. Mm. If I'm resting, it's because I'm, it's purposeful. I don't just like, I don't just finish the day and go, I'm just going to sit down and just watch TV for whatever reason. I do every now and again, but it's not, it's not common. Yeah, yeah. Rather do something that's productive or leading towards a better life for me. Um, but yeah, I saw, I, saw, I saw you say something online. I believe it's a quote of yours, and you said mindset is ninety percent of success. Yeah, I mm. um, I remember years ago, um, I did a lot of work with um, back years and years ago. I did a lot of work with Tony Robbins and um, his head trainer in Australia, mm. uh, who who was one of my good friends, and then. Um, I, I, I started outgrowing them and, um, and then after a while I started the person who was, who was my mentor. I sort of started mentoring a bit as well because my thoughts and my philosophies were just different and I outgrew him. Mm. Um, and I think my research and my study was a lot more, but, um, um, I think it was Tony Robbins who, who, who said that, um, oh. because I've studied so much over the years, like someone asked me the other day that they were like, uh, is this quote from Rich Dad Poor Dad? And I'm like, I, to be honest, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Like I've studied, if if I know who I've learned something off of, I will always reference them because I think it's a respect of great yeah. thinkers to reference their work. Mm. So if ever anyone comes to do my events, I reference all the work, any research that's referenced. If I, mm. there's a quote in there, I'll, I'll quote the author because I think a lot of people are, like I see my own quotes online where someone essentially takes one of my quotes, cuts off yeah. the bottom of it and then reposts it. And I'm like, fucking assholes like that's my lifetime of work like mm. at least you can give me a little bit of credit for the hard work and the effort that i put in like i understand you're insecure and you want to like take my shit because it makes you look more intelligent 
Yeah. But the truth is intelligent people know how intelligent people think. And so yeah. when you've got someone that's insecure and unintelligent, the only people that they work with are unintelligent, insecure people. Mm. Well, you surround yourself with who you are. 100%. Mm. And so like I can pretty much study most people's work these days and I can tell you sort of who they've studied and where the work comes from because you can tell the thought process behind it. Yeah. So like I have people come to my events and they go, oh yeah, but what about this, this and this? And I go, okay, cool. I understand you've studied like new age spirituality. Mm. So have I, but I'm telling you that that's out of balance for these reasons. And they've taken it out of context for this stuff. Mm. So it's just, you know, like after a while, when you start to learn a lot, you really realize where that stuff comes from anyway. So you see through it all. Yeah. Um, like you yeah, said, it's not, it's not my, I don't think it's, I don't think it's mine, my quote. Um, yeah. But I know if you look at, the Pareto principle, it's the 80, 20 principle. Mm. And so, you know, I've, I've heard, I think Tony Robbins said, you know, it's uh, 80% psychology and 20%, um, you know, 20% um, strategy or skill set. I, I don't know about that. I would say it's probably more of a, a 90, 95, 10. Like when yeah. I'm working with businesses, 95% of all business problems are people problems, human behavior. Mm. Yeah. Sales, it, sales is like almost 100% human behavior. Mm. Get marketing it's almost 100% human behavior you get management and leadership it's almost 100% human behavior yeah well everything that comes from communication is psychology by the end of the day because we have to process it to be able to verbalize it 100% and like you said earlier too like you said when it becomes losses then you turn that into a lesson so you can win how about those people that the experience a loss they, they tell themselves it's a lesson for mental masturbation but then they don't actually action the things that they need to do behind it. Why do you think that is people have the information and resources, but don't actually put in the work to attain or achieve what they want? So uh, this will fuck most people up who are listening. And it always does when I go through this. Mm. No organism, if you study biology, no organism does anything that it perceives is detrimental to its own life. Mm. None. Yeah. So if you get a Petri dish and you put a single cell bacterium in the dish, and then you put something that's toxic, like let's say you put a toxin anywhere near the bacteria, the bacteria moves away from the toxin. Mm. So when someone says, my thoughts are negative, my thoughts are bad, my thoughts are toxic, that's bullshit. Yeah. Because humans don't do things that are detrimental to its own life. Mm. We only do things we perceive are beneficial to our own life. The problem is that with modern day psychology, and I know I'm going to get hated on by this, the problem is that in modern day psychology and modern day mental health stuff, everyone like or the majority of people label things as good or bad instead of asking the right questions mm. so when someone comes along and they go i've got all these negative thoughts i hold myself back you know i never get the results that i want you know blah, 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 and they go on oh yeah but you don't understand my past what yeah. they're saying is i have more benefits to not doing shit and not changing than i do the the potential benefits of changing mm. and and no one asks that question like every, every fucking person knows this. Every person knows that the reason why they don't change is because they get more benefits to not changing. Well, if nothing changes, nothing changes, right? <laughs> yeah. They, so like I ask, and I ask people those questions, which very few people actually do in those industries. So like when someone comes to me and they say, you know, I'm stuck and nothing's changing and nothing's working in my business or nothing's working in my life. And I, I say to them and they go, you're not so bad. And it's, it's affecting my life and it's affecting my family. I go, okay, cool. Let's stop. Hmm. what are all the benefits of not changing? And they're like, yeah. oh, there are none. And I'm like, bullshit. You've just, you've got that on autopilot. Like, hmm. do you know most people when you ask them a question, the autopilot response is, I don't know. Hmm. And that's a learn response from school. 
like if I ask someone a question and I say, Hey, what about this? And they go, oh, I don't know. Yeah. How, what was the time frame that I gave them to answer that question? Did I, did I say like, you've got one second? Mm. What they do is they just automatically respond without even thinking like they just go bang. I don't know. Bang. I don't know. It's like an automatic response. It's a reflex. Yeah. And they do it because they don't want to be judged and criticized because at school, when the teacher asks a question, when you're afraid to give the answer because you're afraid of other peers or, or other kids judging you or the, or getting something wrong, you just say, I don't know. Yeah. And that shows how powerful your environment is too, because I saw you talk on that. A lot of your work ethic comes from your dad, but a lot of your aggression and drive comes from your mother. But this is when you're growing up for your life, you instilled these beliefs and core values from the people that you grew up with. But this doesn't stop when we become an adult. We still influenced by our environment, the way we think, the way we can react to people as well. So it's important to surround yourself with people that are going to influence influence you in a positive way or an impactful yeah. way. I think, uh, and I'll, I'll come back to finishing off the part that I just did with okay. um, with environment. There's there's two things. Yes, environment impacts you, but you mm. also impact environment. Yeah. So, like, how how do you want to how do you want to be? I went to the golf uh, on the weekend. So in uh, South Australia, they had the uh, live golf tournament here. And yeah. I knew nothing about it until like four days ago. And, and one of our business clients rang up and he said, do you want to go to the golf? And I said, mate, I got no idea what you're talking about, but golf is like the most boring sport I've ever, like, I'm not a golfer. I, I like doing like shit that moves quick. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's like, nah, it's going to be this wild party. Like, and he's explaining to me and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going with all the business guys, like a lot of heavy hitters and all that stuff. Like I got you a ticket. I was like, all right, I'll go. Went to the game. Absolutely awesome. But when I was there, there was a whole bunch of business guys and they, they're like, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and they're going, do you want a drink? And I was like, oh, nah, I'm, I'm good. And they're like, don't you drink? And I said, no, I, I drink. I just don't have, I don't have those crazy rules in my life because it, destroys people mentally hmm. so like if i want to drink i'll drink if i want to eat a pizza i'll eat a pizza if yeah. i want to eat shit food i'll eat shit food and if i want to sleep i'll, I'll sleep but the the question is like why hmm. why are you doing this stuff and so i said to them like look i haven't had a drink since november last year and they're like oh so like is that like what what, what are you doing that for I'm like, i don't know yeah. i just don't have a need i don't have a necessity to drink hmm. it's not that it's not that i label drinking as bad and it's not that like, I don't, I, I hate when people go through um, addiction and stuff like that. And they go, oh, I can't because, you know, I'm an addict and blah, blah. Because once you do that, you label yourself and you define yourself as having those problems. Yeah. So I just, I used to drink a lot when I was younger, like five days a week, I would drink. Mm. But I just choose not to drink because I've got a bigger purpose to not drink. Like I don't want to wake up and feel tired. I'd rather wake up at five, five, five thirty in the morning, get up, get straight into work, train, yeah. Like I just, I've, I've got a big purpose. Like I'm trying to achieve a huge mission. Mm. I'm trying to change a lot of people. Like I just don't have a desire to want to drink. So I don't sit there and go, oh, fuck, I'd really want to drink. Oh, I shouldn't drink. No, nah, I should. It's just like, no, nah, I don't just, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. But coming back to the environment, right? So I'm in this environment with all these business people that are heavy hitters and they're like, so how do you go about going out all the time, not drinking? And I said, well, here's the thing. You yourself, do you admire me more because I drink or do you admire me more because I fit in and drink with it? Uh, do, do you admire me more because I fit in and drink with everybody or do you admire me more because I don't drink? Mm. And he, he's like, well, I, I don't know. And I said, well, think about it. Like, are we having this conversation now because you're intrigued about me not drinking? Mm. And he said, yeah. I said, do you know how many business meetings I go to at lunchtime 
And someone says, oh, we'll get a, a bottle of wine. Like, what What do you want to drink? And I'll go, no, I'll just get sparkling water. Yeah. And I watch them and they're torn because there's part of them that doesn't want to drink, but there's part of them that's also in the habit of drinking. Mm. And for them, alcohol is a symbol, a symbolization of friendship, of connection, because most people start drinking when they're young with all their friends. Yeah. So now most people don't even know that their habits of drinking and consuming alcohol are part of a habit that they've created, which now makes them feel comfortable, relaxed, mm. uh, friendship, nurturing, because this is all the neuro associations that they have when they start drinking as a teenager. Mm. So now they've had a hard day at work and they're driving home and they feel disconnected and they feel stressed and they're frustrated and they go, oh, I just really want a beer. They don't want the beer. What they want mm. is they want the relaxation and they want the calmness and they want the friendship and they want the nurturing and they want to feel part of something which their brain has had those associations since mm. they first started having their first beer or their first drink when they're a teenager. Yeah. When you know this, it's like, well, I'd rather go and just connect with people and have a good conversation and sit there and fucking blur, you know, half dribble out my words because I'm, you know, half cooked. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I've just, that, that was my thing. I did, I did have a couple of drinks, but I also stopped. And then they all, they all said, <laughs> we're going out to the city. And I was like, it's, it's seven o'clock. Not much is good. Not, not much good's going to happen after nine yeah. o'clock that people aren't going to feel guilty and ashamed about the next day. So I'm yeah. going home. <laughs> good idea. Um, yeah, but so when we're talking about environment, it's it's both ways. Like a leader creates the environment around them. Mm. A follower is a product of the environment around them. Yeah. So you have to decide, do I want to be a leader and do I want to do things differently than, than the people in my environment and then lead them to something better? Mm. Or do I want to fit in and do I want to be a product of my environment? If people have associations with like alcohol, for example, how can they rewire that? so they can train themselves to not have that association and not have that label if I said attachment. To, so if I said to you, um, it's a great question. If I said to you, I'm going to give you a million bucks if you don't drink for a year, plus it, you get to have the relationship of your dreams, your kids are going to get looked after mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to travel all around the world, all expenses paid for the rest of your life, or you get to drink. Yeah. What are you going to do? When we're going on holiday. <laughs> so it, it all comes down to the reasoning behind it. And this mm. is what I what I found years ago is that I'd spent a lot of money on personal development. We're talking like hundreds of thousands. You know, now it's over over a million of like consultants and and yeah. um, you know, coaches and and traveling all around the world to learn. But what I realized was that I kept going through these stages where I'd work really, really hard and then I'd melt down and burn out. And then I'd mm. beat myself up and I'd feel like shit and I'd hate upon myself and I'd be really negative. Because inside of me, from a young age, I knew that there was greatness. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to access it. And so I, I built these high expectations around the way that I wanted to live. Like I want to be able mm. to travel the world. I want to do something that I enjoy every day. I want to have an amazing relationship with my partner. Um, you know, I want to have friendships all around the world where I can travel, you know, later on this year to America. One of my close friends, her, her dad is probably one of the world's greatest personal development speakers at Dr. John D. Martini. Mm, um, so amazing. I'm, I'm really close friends with him and his family or his daughters. Um, so when I travel over there, they're like, look, we'll take you all around the U S we'll hang out. Like I'll hook you up with like the who's who in Miami and all this. So that's the sort of life that I, I, I wanted from a young age. 
I just mm. didn't know how to access it because of the environment I kept putting myself in. My friends used to drink all the time. They were always at the pub on Friday night gambling and drinking. And I thought, you know what? I need to do something different. Mm. So I went out and I started trying to bridge that gap. But what I found was that most personal development does, most personal development helps, but it's also part of the problem. Yeah. And it's part of the problem because like if I tell you my morning routine and you try to replicate that, you're mm. trying to become me instead of figuring out who you are. Yeah. So throughout our lives, we get other people's values implanted onto us from a young age, our parents, then school, teacher, preachers, all of that stuff. Mm. But we lose ourselves. Yeah. Part of the process of life is to rediscover who we are and then live that thing. And that's part of the fun of life is we mm. lose ourselves to find ourselves. So once I realized that, um, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who I was. Once I got really, really clear with what I call our, our personal success map, um, once I got really, really clear with that, after that, everything else just started falling into place because like now I know I don't drink because it's not that I don't want to drink. It's just, I don't have a reason to drink. Yeah. You know, like I, I would rather wake up tomorrow morning and start work at 5.30 in the morning and work until, you know, 6, 6.30 tomorrow night because I'm, tr I'm trying to do wild shit in my life. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not like most people. And I, and I think this is the misconception, right? Is that when you're trapped, you live in a world of pleasure and pain. And even modern day psychology talks about pleasure and pain. Mm -hmm. And they say that humans are driven by pleasure and pain. Yeah. That's only true when you're not clear with who you want to be. Mm. I don't live in pleasure and pain because all, everything that I do has both pleasure and pain. Yeah. Being on this podcast, I love, I love talking. I love teaching. That's my highest value. So I love doing this stuff, but it's also painful because I've got a business to run. I've got staff yeah. to manage. I've got, I could be doing sales right now. Like, so right now there's both pleasure and pain. The question is, what am I trying to do? What's the mm. big mission? And so if it relates back to my mission, my purpose and my values, then it's game on. So yeah. I don't think about a work-life balance. I think that's the dumbest shit ever. And everyone talks about it, right? Like work-life yeah. balance. You've got life. Yeah. You've got to make life work for you. That's it. I have life. I don't have a work-life balance. I have a life and everything fits into that life. Mm. So my work, my wife is a CEO of our company. We work together. We're with each other 24-7. We work from home most of the time. So my relationship is both work, business, intimate relationship, family. My my The people that we do who come to our events, some of them are my close friends now. And so not only do I do business with them, Mm. I've got a gym at home. They come around and train with me. I'll yeah. just shoot a message. I'm like, dude, do you want to have a workout today at lunchtime? Done. They come around and train because I don't separate everything in boxes. It's just yeah. have a life and everything has to fit into that. I feel like that's where people can exhaust themselves too when things are in different boxes and they're jumping from one box to another box to another box. Then they're exhausted by the end of it. And they're like, I need more balance in life. But like you said, if you build a life by design and your life is what fulfills you in every aspect, then you're going to live a more fulfilled life. Yeah. And there's a time and a place for everything. So I, I have a philosophy about mindset and mental performance, which is very different than most people. Hmm. If you study physics, everything in nature that has a positive charge attracts a negative charge in order to stabilize. Hmm. And that's in physics, that's in chemistry, and that's in all fields of science, apart from soft sciences like psychology and social science. Yeah. So I don't believe in positive thinking. I think that it's trash. And mm. I think that it sets people up to fail and I can prove it so many times. Yeah. When people try to be positive. It's because they're trying to counterbalance the negativity within their own thoughts. 
Mm. So when someone's negative, they go, oh, shit, I need to be more positive. I need to be more positive. Yeah. They're essentially trying to counterbalance their thoughts. But when we're over positive and we over-exaggerate our positivity, we tend to do dumb shit that we don't think through that then throws mm. us back into a negative spiral. So you watch people who do all this positive thinking and you watch them go through these big peaks and troughs of positivity and negativity and they lack consistency. They lack just the 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 flow throughout their life because they'll become like extremely driven, but then extremely mm. burnt out and then extremely driven and then extremely burnt out. Yeah. I watch this at motivation events where people go to the events and three days later or five days later, they're sick, they're in bed, they're burnt out. And it's because they've, they've overdone themselves. They've overcooked themselves. Mm. So there's there's a balance that's trying to happen within our own psychology. And, and this is starting to become the forefront of modern psychological science, I, I think. But it's only just the start of this sort of thought process. I mean, it's been around for a long, long time. I mean, yin and yang philosophy in in um chinese the chinese philosophy has been around for thousands of years yeah um but for some weird reason we i don't know why people keep talking about positive positivity and positive thinking there's a time and a place for it and it's just, i i think that the best mindset is to be stable like a stable mind mm. beats a positive mind any day of the week and yeah almost all the business owners that i work with that are you know have anywhere between 10 million dollars a year in annual revenue to billion dollar plus most of them are pretty stable. They think mm. about the they think about what could go right, but they also think about what could go wrong. Yeah. They're optimistic, but they're also pessimistic. They watch everything because they need to know what's going on in order to make the right moves. Yeah. People who are over positive tend to over exaggerate the optimism and they think that everything's going to go well until it turns to shit. And we just saw this in the the Bitcoin boom where everyone's just like, oh man, like get into it, get into it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's this crypto boom going on. Oh, we're going to take over the world and rule governments and all this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Now I made, I made some good money out of that stuff years ago, but the thing is that a lot of people were way too optimistic and they weren't thinking negatively enough. And, and, and so there was a lot of people who lost a lot of money. How do you assess risk? By looking at the upsides and the downsides. Like that's essentially is risk. And then there's also the reward associated with it and also your position. Yeah. So if I'm going to invest in something. I, I, I tell everybody. Hmm. Well, I don't tell everybody because it's up to every individual to learn their own lessons. Yeah. If you're going to invest in something financially for a financial risk, you're better off starting with low risk, low reward, and hmm. then slowly building up over time. What most people want to do though is because of their own insecurities and that they can't manage their own mindset, because they're insecure, they want to rush everything. So I meet like 20-year-olds and they're like, oh man, I just want to be rich and financially free. Yeah. I'm like, I, I've worked with people that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billionaires. Yeah. And they don't even give a shit about financial freedom. Because anyone who wants financial freedom essentially is saying, I feel trapped financially. And therefore, if I can get to some never-never land, this miracle place of financial mm. freedom, life's going to be great. Do you know how stupid that is? Yeah. I've made, I make more money now than I've ever made in my life. And there is more risk associated with it. I've got to have more legality around it. I've got to have more accounting around it. Like all I've done is I've just created another level of problems. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, you know, in order for me to do something now, like I want to go and buy, let's say I want to buy a property. I've got to go and put that in companies. I've mm. got to set up depending trust structures. I've got to set up, you know, all the legalities around it. Like it, this idea of financial freedom is like, yeah, so I can just sit back and do fuck all anything in nature that grows, you have to have stress to grow. Everything in nature yes. has stress to grow. And anything in the universe expands based on pressure. 
So if mm -hmm. you don't have pressure and stress, you're essentially contracting and dying in that area of life. Driven mofos, I'm guessing that you found out about this podcast because someone shared it with you, posted it on their Insta stories, tweeted it, or something like that. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and getting a heap of value from it, just like those who shared it with you. As you know, I don't run any paid ads or sponsorship on this podcast, as it's my goal to get good information out to the world for free. The only thing that I'd ask from you is that you continue to pay it forward by sharing this episode and letting others know about what we do in this podcast so that we can keep growing this amazing community of driven mofos. So please keep the good karma rolling and share this episode with someone or just share it on your socials got to embrace pressure and stress. Whereas all these, you know, people out there, oh, I want financial freedom. Like I'm 22 and I just want this financial freedom. I'm like, man, you got the wrong philosophy. Like you should be saying, how can I take on a hundred million dollar problem? How can yeah. I take on a hundred million dollars worth of pressure and stress and all of that? Cause I'm operating at a level that most people never comprehend. Mm, that's what that's it. Want. The stress gets bigger as the more successful you become as well. So yeah. it's important to learn those skills on the journey of becoming successful. But if you don't learn those skills, you're going to get to the end of it and probably feel depressed and suppressed because you're like, fuck, what do I do now? How am I meant to feel now? And then you start all these intrusive thoughts come in and you have to try and navigate them. And that's when a lot of shit can happen in your life. Yeah. Like, do you, do you, uh, like I'm going to ask the listeners who, who want financial freedom. Do you think that if you're broke, someone's going to try and sue you when you've got 300 bucks in your bank account? Mm. Just to activate a lawyer, it's probably going to cost 550 to a thousand bucks an hour. Yeah. So they're not going to sue you for 300 bucks. But when you're worth $100 million hmm. and you've got a, port, a property portfolio of 50 properties, what do you reckon when, when you walk into a lawyer's office and go, hey, I want to sue this motherfucker? The lawyer sits there and they're like, tell me about this person. They yeah, property portfolio, $100 million company. They just sit back, they lick their lips and they go, oh, let's see how long we can make this fucking thing last. Yeah. The more hours that they rack up, the more money they're going to make. And, mm. and they're quite happy to go after you. They're, they will set up a three to four year court case in order to get money out of you if they need to. Yeah, That shit doesn't happen when you've got no money. So people who think that financial freedom is the answer to having a good life are just plain ignorant. It's ignorance. Yeah. Because the more money you make, the more people are going to come after you, the more you've got to navigate. Um, like you think about if you're paying a 30% tax rate, let's just say a 30% tax rate when you're earning, let's say hundred grand a year, and mm. I'm just I'm just using round numbers. Yeah. When when you make let's say thirty million dollars a year, what do you reckon thirty percent tax looks like on top of that? Yeah. That's a lot of money, right? Mm. So if you think about all that money that you can save by having good accounting, good legal, good good structures, all of that stuff, but that means more meetings with the accountants, more meetings with the lawyers, mm. trying to figure it out. It means more audits by the by the ATO and all that sort of shit. So. Yeah, just financial freedom is just such a weird thing. Like, yeah, people should be asking. Kids should be taught this, and and I think every school leader agreed. Should be this, mm. it should be. What's the biggest? What's the number one problem that I want to solve in life? What's my mission in life, and what what am I prepared to work my ass off for? Which I know is going to be. I'm going to solve big problems and take on big challenges. Mm. When you think like that, you get out of this trapped almost like peasant mentality of, you know, I just, I just want to work so that I can retire. Or I just want to work so that, you know, I can have the weekends off and I just, yeah. I want lifestyle balance. Like that's peasant thinking. That's the way that, mm. that's the way that peasants have always thought. And I don't mean to say this in a bad way, because some people are going to be pissed off and hate my guts for saying this, but for the one or 2% of people out there who are like, you know what, I've never thought like this. And this is probably the thing that's fucking up my own headspace and, and causing me not to get the results that I want in life. Mm. 
you know, if you can think, what's the number one biggest challenge that I want to take on in life? What's the, what would I wake up every morning that is a huge problem out in the world that I want to go and solve and that I'm ready to run head first into those barriers and obstacles? That's when you've got life mastered. That's yeah. when you become the master of life. Not mm. when you're like, I want to avoid all the problems. I want to avoid all the stresses. How can I create this fantasy life that's like a fucking Disney film, you know, where where the hero at the end and everything's easy and it, that's just so stupid. Like that's childish. Mm. Sorry so the for most, like ranting, but no, yeah. it's perfect because, like you said, if people are getting reactive or emotional to what you're saying. I challenge the listeners to then ask themselves why they feel reactive to the things that you're saying and really question those beliefs and why they actually feel that emotional reaction to what you're saying. Because once we understand the why behind things, we truly understand on how we're programmed and how we can use information to best serve us. But we're always staying in the reactive state from other people's words or opinions. It's not going to drive us or influence us in our own life to live our own best life because we're constantly reactive around the people around us or what the world's doing instead of being influential from ourselves. hundred percent. Something that I teach is that people who are emotionally, who people who are emotionally reactive are the easiest to control mm. because it's so easy to manipulate people's emotions. Yeah. It's hard to manipulate people's very good thinking. Yeah. So when people are triggered, they tend to react a certain way. And so, you know, some of the stuff that I talk about, is if you, one of the fastest ways to manipulate people is through guilt and shame. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Look at charities, they do it. You know, oh, look at this person, they're suffering, like give us money. And so they make you feel guilty and ashamed of shit in your own life. But that's because they're trying to extract cash out of you. They don't tell you that mm. 70 to 90% of that cash is going towards marketing, branding, sales, the CEO's paycheck, all of yeah. that stuff. And the 10% only goes to the people that they claim they're helping. Mm. Now, yeah. I'm not saying all charities are like that, but a lot of them are. And I'm not saying don't give to charities, but I'm just saying be very, very careful. If you ever feel guilt or you feel shame, it's because someone else is trying to manipulate you into living either their values or in their mission. Mm, that's so true because in my past, my listeners know, but fairly the new listeners, I was a drug addict from the age of 11 to 18. And the reason why it took me a long time to become sober was because of the guilt and shame attached to some certain individuals want me to keep going so I can stay in that environment. But the day I said, fuck um, guilt and shame, I'm just going to do it anyway. That's when I finally got sober and started building a better life for myself because I realized that exact thing. Like you said, guilt and shame is attached to that. That's awesome. I mean, not many people break out of that and it's normally, it's, it's not a hard thing to do. Like I don't think from my work, it's not a hard thing to give up anything including drugs or alcohol even though it's debatable as to whether you know the neurochemical changes and stuff like that mm. one thing that i noticed though is that it just gets there's always a breaking point and that breaking point is almost like a never enough like never never again yeah i don't know if you went through it but i i know a lot of people do and then normally they'll test it a couple of times and it just makes them feel like shit but it's almost like they've had that altered mindset yeah. of knowing that there's there's something better on the other side that was me to switch because like I was similar to yourself. Like I got kicked out of school in grade 11 when I was like 15, but I always knew I had something great within me that needed to be exposed. I needed to find it. And then when I had that moment, like you just said, like that switch that happened, that's why I just accelerated and I haven't looked back since, but it was that switch that just made me think, fuck this, let's go after it. What was it that made, what was it made you, you give it up? Like what was the, the factor? Was it the pain or was it the like future? I was sick of the mentality of being a victim of life because I kept using the victim mentality to keep me in the shit. And then once I had a realization 
I was just like, I'm constantly telling myself these stories and constantly, constantly putting these labels on myself. That's keeping me in this shit. But I was like, what happens if I change these labels that I put on myself? What happens if I go from a victim mentality to someone who's a leader in life? Let's see what happens. And once I put that mindset shift within my own mind and started embodying that every day, like within a couple of years, like my life switched like a lot quicker than I thought I ever could do. Like I've been sober now for eight years because I'm 25, but the amount I've achieved within this last eight years has been something that I couldn't even predict it back then. But just shows that if you have that switch and you stick to it consistently over a time period, you can actually achieve anything you really want in life as long as you have a good game plan and you stick with it over time. That's awesome. Well done, man. That's not, yeah. not a lot of people where... Cheers, bro. Have, I, I call it pumpkin nuts. Big <laughs> balls. Not, not many people have big pumpkin nuts pumpkin where they nuts. Can, like, <laughs> commit to something and just follow through on it. Like, you know, my best mate, He's he only reached... I, I, I broke away from him and the friendship circle was in in my like early 20s yeah and he reached out to me about two and a half years ago three years ago and he uh he's uh you know going he, he's in a bit of trouble because he was he got done for mass drug importation and a whole bunch of other stuff and was using mm -hmm. drugs and and all that and uh you know he'd had multiple convictions but it wasn't until he realized that his kids were going to be taken away from him forever if he went to jail for a long long time that that was yeah. like the switch a lot of people need to hit rock bottom, but not only rock bottom, they have to like bury themselves in the ground and then get yeah. the shit kicked out of them in order to then want to change. Mm. You know, every week I'm on the phone and, and you know, someone will go, I need to change. Uh, you know, I know I need to do something different. And you, you say to them like, okay, cool. Either come to one of my events or, you know, there's some products or services or whatever, like let's go. Oh man, I need to think about it. It's like your life's been shit for 10 yeah. years. What do you need to think about? Yeah. It's like people have a habit of stalling to go back to what they know versus like, going going to what they know they have the capacity of doing or becoming mm, interesting so it's cool that sort of you had that switch to think about what you wanted to become yeah and i feel like a lot of people as well when they start getting close to their potential in life they start unconsciously implementing self-sabotage behaviors to get them back out of that potential and get them back rather than that comfort zone that they were once in. And I see a lot of people getting close to that potential in life, but unconsciously for some reason, they get dragged back into their own, the old habits, the old environment. Then they go back again a couple of years later, but then self-sabotage themselves back again. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I personally don't believe in self-sabotage. I used yeah. to label it, but I don't. Um, so just quickly, a quick little tip that I've, I learned years ago was that labels are only there to understand. They're mm. never there to define. So when someone says to me, you know, I have an anxiety disorder, I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. Because you're essentially labeling yourself as something that you're using it as a way of defining yourself, not a way of understanding yourself. It's there yeah. for a reason. You got to go and find the reason why it's there and then figure out what are the triggers how to use them because I, I guarantee everything in life is there as a benefit. Yeah. It's just trying to, there, there's certain shit that, that is triggering it and you've got to go and figure it out. I worked only probably about six months ago with a person who had, they were labeled as they had social anxiety disorder and anxiety is normally driven from timeframes. Mm. So anytime we're in a rush to try to achieve something, anxiety spikes and it's almost like an adrenaline response. So if you're stuck in traffic and you know you've got to be somewhere in 30 minutes and you're 20 minutes away, but you look down the road and the traffic hasn't moved for the last 15 minutes, you're thinking, fuck, I'm, I'm going to be late. Yeah. Anxiety will spike. So it's an anxiety response in almost all cases. Every case I've ever worked with, there's always a time frame, but there is always exceptions to the rules. So someone who's listening now goes, yeah, but mine's different. 
maybe i just haven't seen it yet but there's mm-hmm. always exceptions to the rules okay and i'm and i'm not i'm smart enough to know that there there is always an exception yeah so this person i said well what are you in, what were you in a rush to try to do or to get away from she said no i was just at a family function you know da 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 and so we end up going through this story this scenario and i go back to the moment the anxiety was triggered and i kept pushing her and pushing her like come on what what was it there's got to be a trigger there somewhere and anyway she gets this breaking point and she goes you know what the truth was that i was only there to please mum and dad i didn't want to fucking be there i wanted to get out of there mm. bingo there's a time frame response where she wanted to get out of there she was in a rush to get out of the environment because she was subordinating her values. She doesn't have a high value on family and social connection. And so she's going to a family function to please her mum and dad. Mm. And when she's at that family function, she then bang gets triggered with social anxiety. Yeah. But what we also found was that with friends that she had who have similar values, she didn't have social anxiety. So she only had social anxiety when she was hanging around with people with dissimilar values. Mm. And she just wanted to get away from them. As yeah. does everybody. If, you, if you've ever been around people you don't want to hang out with, you want to get away from them. You start thinking about being somewhere else. That can trigger an anxiety response. Yeah. So um, I, I can't I can't even remember the question, but I don't know how I got into social anxiety. <laughs> uh, oh, it was about the self-sabotage and potential and removing the label. Yeah. So yeah. with the label, once she was able to understand that, she went, ah, when I get anxiety, I'm in a rush and I'm in a rush for something. And what now it started to show her was that in her own mind, her brain is giving her feedback around imbalances that she has Mm. either mentally and emotionally or when she's outside of her value system or she's doing things that aren't part of her purpose and her mission in life. Yeah. Now, I believe, and this is just my experience of working with tens of thousands of people and some of, you know, I've worked with rich listers, I've worked with professional athletes, I've worked with people who've just got out of jail, drug addicts, people that are suicidal, not that I promote that I do this work, okay? Because that's, I just want to help people to perform better. I don't like working with people consistently who hit rock bottom and are fucking struggling in life. Like they're not the people that, that's not my purpose to work with them. I refer them to other people who have the patience to work with those type of people. Mm. I'm impatient. I'm like, you've got shit to do in life. How can we help you to get that shit done? Let's fucking do it and I'll work with you on that. Um, So I'm pretty intense in the way that I work. Um, but in saying that, that's why I get huge results with people as well when Definitely. they're when they're at that level that they want to push. Hmm. So coming back to the um, self sabotage and 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 so on, um, and the labels, I be- I really believe that labels are there to help us to understand, but they should never ever 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 be used to define somebody. Hmm. And I find that the majority of people that I meet have labels that they define themselves with. And yeah. so they'll say things like, you know, I, I'm depressed or I have a depressive disorder. Yeah, cool. Whatever. That's that's fucking great. But the question yeah. is, how does that help you? Let's fucking, let's use it to work for you. Mm. I had a young kid who came in with her mum and uh, with his mum and we sit down and she goes, you know, my son has ADHD. And I went, oh yeah, cool. And she goes, you know, he just distracted at school and blah, blah, blah. And, and this was years ago, by the way. Like, I, I don't do a lot of one-on-one work these days unless they're like CEOs or, or pro athletes and so on. Yeah. Um, I charge quite a lot. Um, and, and I said, okay, so what's the problem? And she goes, well, he, he's always playing computer games and stuff like this, and he doesn't take his school seriously. And I thought, okay, interesting. Now, the question is, is that the mother's problem or is it the child's problem? 
Mm. So I'm trying to figure this out. Which one is it? So I said to the child, like, so you like playing computer games? Now, this was a young, like getting getting into teenage years. I think it was like nine to 11 or something like that. And he goes, oh, I love it, blah, blah, blah. And, and he starts talking. He's all excited about computer games. I went, okay. Mm. And then the mum jumps in and she goes, yeah, but you can't make a living out of that. Like, that's that's crazy. You just can't sit around and play computer games all, all, all your life. Mm. And I went, aha, this is an insecurity of the mother, not the mm. child. So I thought, all right, how do I show the mum that it's her pattern? So I, I, I said to the mum, like, okay, so he's got ADHD, doesn't focus on school. And it's all these bullshit labels, right? Like can't focus, gets distracted easy. And I'm like, these are just, this is all bullshit. Mm. Right? And I debate people on this stuff all the time. I only recently did a video that sort of went a bit viral on Instagram on this. Because ADHD is a fucking shitty label that a lot of people get given when yeah. they are, they, there's a few patterns, right? Like, yes, there are people that are hyperactive. I'm one of them. Mm. Now I have been told when I was at school that I had ADD, which is now ADHD. I was told that I was dyslexic, all of that stuff. Now I've read probably, I don't know, maybe a thousand books now. I don't, I don't yeah. think I have learning difficulties anymore. I don't, I don't mm. know. But what I know is that when a person is living outside of their values, they forget shit. Mm. So if you give me stuff and research on human behavior, I remember it very, very well. But you yeah. get me to read a book on engineering and mechanics and I can't figure out how that fits my value, uh, my values, my mission and my purpose. I forget mm. it. Yeah. My wife says to me sometimes, she's like, why is it that I ask you to get two things from the shops and you <laughs> fucking forget, but you can read a research paper and yeah. later you will recite the exact data. And I'm yeah. like, values, like that's, they're my values, right? Mm. So everyone remembers stuff based on what they perceive is important to them. And what's going to give them the greatest benefit within their own life? Yeah. So everyone forgets stuff and everyone remembers things. The question is, what is it that you remember? And, and how does that relate to your values? And then what is it that you forget? And how does that push away from your values? Mm. What it's trying to do is it's trying to keep you in your lane. I really believe that our brains are wired to try to keep us in our own lane within our own lives. Yeah. Most people's fucked up mental patterns and emotional patterns come from trying to run in everyone else's lane because they focus on Instagram and Facebook and they're like, yeah, but this person has a car and this person's got a six pack. Very rarely do you find someone with a six pack, flies around a private jet, has supercars, has an amazing relationship, has mm. four kids because it's it, it's too much work in most cases. Mm. Look at Elon Musk, build billion dollar company. Like we're talking almost trillion dollars worth of companies. Yeah. Yet he's been married, what, four times now? He's got, is it 10 kids or 11 kids or yeah, something? Yeah, 11 like kids so or something, yeah. Four different mums. So like the dude crushes it in business. Probably not the best family man. Yeah. But the truth is that we're all good at stuff and we're all shit at things. Hmm. How do you how do you live life where your greatness is expressed and you just understand that there is shit that you shouldn't do mm. because it's not you're not good at those things. How oh and, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um so so I we with this mum, right? So I I'm sitting there with her and I thought, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna show her that it's her. But I don't want to tell her because when you tell people, they shut down their thinking. They don't They yeah. don't really think through things. So questions open people up to think. And then there's good questions and there's not so good questions, which you could call shitty questions. So most people ask themselves shitty questions like, why am I so fat? Well, you're fat because you're overeat, you're a pig, blah, blah, blah. That's how most people think. They are shitty questions. Their brain gives them feedback and it's not empowering to them. Mm. Okay, So someone might ask like, you know, why don't I have any money? And their brain goes, well, because you're dumb, you're stupid, you dropped out of school. 
that doesn't help you to achieve. So yeah. ask a better question. Like, how can I express my greatness? How can I learn more? How can I develop myself better? They're better questions. Mm. You open up, you're opening yourself up to think better. Statements normally shut down the brain. So if someone, if, if you say to someone, they, they might say, oh, you know, I'm sick and I feel unhealthy and blah, blah. And a coach comes along and they say, well, you know, have you thought about exercise? And they go, oh, no, it's just, you know, I'm just fat. I'm just big boned. Yeah. Your brain goes back to sleep because you just made a statement. Statements close you off to thinking. Hmm. Most people ask shitty questions and give statements. Statements shut down the brain and shitty questions just lead to shitty answers. Very few people train themselves to ask good questions, which essentially gives them good answers. Hmm. So that's number one. Anyway, um, coming back to the mum. So I um I said to the mum, I'm like, okay, so he so he's been diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. Is that correct? Yep. And so he has a problem concentrating. Yep. And he has a problem re- remembering things. Yep. You're sure of that? Yep. And what what's the problem with him playing computer games? And she said, oh, he just plays all the time, Michael. Mm. And I said, oh, so like how often, how long would he play for if you just let him go? And she said, Michael, the other weekend... He played the whole day on Saturday, just the whole day. I had to stop him for five minutes so that he could eat lunch. And he literally played from first thing in the morning until I told him to stop playing the game in the afternoon and to start doing some other shit. So he played for like 10 hours straight. And I looked at her and I said, hmm. And he remembers like he remembers how to play the game and like he can get back to the same level and all this sort of stuff. Yep. Mm -hmm. I said, does that sound like somebody to you who has a deficit of attention? Mm. does that sound like somebody who has a a retention disorder where they forget shit all the time what it was was that the mother and this is the story behind it the mother had immigrated from uh, you know almost like a third world country came to australia worked really really hard and worked her ass off Mm. fair enough but she felt guilty and insecure because she never had a university degree and she never had the opportunity of doing well at school and so now she's got a son and that son she wants to give him the best life possible and in her mind she perceives that she didn't have the best life possible because she didn't go to uni and she didn't get a good education so now her insecurity she then projects onto the child and then goes i want my child to have a better life than me therefore if he can avoid my insecurities then he will have a better life Mm. and so she's pushing him to do really well at school so that he doesn't go through the same what she perceives pain and trauma that she's been through within her own life. Yeah. She doesn't realize that that's her insecurity and that's her past, or you could call it a trauma. I hate that word, but her past trauma that now she's projecting onto the child. That's unfair on the child. Yeah. Question is, where is the child great? Hmm. And how do we nurture that child to express its greatness in the world so that it knows who it is and stays in its lane? Yeah. I then went on to show her the the people we're talking you know years ago now the people that make millions of dollars a year playing games the computer programmers the designers all of that sort of shit who make millions now she Mm. never perceived and she never even thought that people could make millions of dollars and outperform university educated people because they play computer games or because they set up you know games and and do gaming and all that sort of stuff she just it never crossed her mind and my mum was the same. That's why I know this because my mum was exactly the same. She fell pregnant with me at 17 years of age in a Catholic family mm. to my bogan atheist dad. And my mum projected her insecurity onto me of needing to get a good education. Yet I had all this pressure on me through school and I wasn't the best at school. 
Yeah. But when I got out of school, I was my last year of as a personal trainer, and we're talking 11 years ago, I made $275,000 um, as a personal trainer mm. and set up franchise systems and all this sort of stuff. Now, this was before the internet stuff. Now, you know, trainers can make millions of dollars and all that stuff selling online programs. This was before that that time. So I was probably one of the highest paid trainers in the country unless I own businesses and, you know, franchise systems and all that. So I was making wicked money. My mum went from like, you're quitting your diesel mechanic apprenticeship to, or, you know, after I got signed off, you're quitting that where you can go to the mines and make a, a shit ton of money. And this was mm. before the mining boom. Like it was just the start of the mining boom. So they were throwing cash at people. If you just lived your life for 10 years being a mechanic, you could set your life up, family, houses, properties, all that stuff. That was my mum projecting her insecurities and her dreams onto me. That wasn't mm. me. I said to my mum, I'll probably be dead if I live that life. Like I'll kill myself. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, but no one's a personal trainer. There's no money in it. No one wants personal trainers. I, you know, by the time I started making good money, I was in magazines and shit like that. I'd written yeah. articles that were features in magazines. My mom would go around and tell everyone how great I was doing. Oh, look, this is my son. Look at it. And then I go to her and I say, look, I'm quitting that career in order to go and follow my dream of working in mindset and mental performance and helping people with their headspace. Mm. No one does that. No one cares. You're non-university educated. You don't have a psychology degree. What are people going to think? Now, I've got two supercars in the garage, live in a beautiful house, married. Like I, I love my life. I get to work with the most amazing people. I get to do shit like this every day. Like I fucking love it. Yeah. And now my mom's like, Michael was traveling to Hawaii later on in the year to speak at like a, a, an annual conference and da da da. And she tells everybody because my mum just wants the best for me. That's really her yeah. great. Just wants the best. But the best for me in most cases, she's not thinking about me. She's thinking what would be the best for me because that's the guidance that I can give to my son. Yeah. Okay. And we got to be careful of that, especially as parents. But I was coming across, sorry, there were two things there and just, Tell me to shut up because I can talk about this for ages. No, it's epic, brother. It's good. It's good value. So labels, again, are there to understand. They're not there to define. This kid was getting defined with ADHD. That was just a label that was there to understand how the child operates. That when he operates outside of his values, he tends to have an attention deficit and he tends to have a retention deficit and he yeah. tends to become more hyperactive. Yet when he does something he loves, and if you go and look at all the studies on ADHD and even the diagnosis of ADHD, it says that people who have attention deficit or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, they they tend to be hyper-focused on things that they love to do. Why mm. the fuck wouldn't you give them more things that they love to do to do? Because they're super-focused. Or strengths-based learning. 100%. They will outperform yeah. most people. If, if it's something that they enjoy, they will outperform mm. them. Yeah. Why would you set them up to fail? Why mm. would you give, Why would you try to get them to do things that they don't want to do? And I hear people at the time, they're like, yeah, but there's some things that you, you 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 know you need to do in life that you don't want to do. I understand mm. that. That's why we delegate shit. That's called delegation. Find someone else who is better than you at that skill set and delegate it to them. Yeah. Right. The other thing is you can link it to your values. So I had a coach who used to work for me, Justin. He had a son, Xavier. Justin came to me. Uh, it was about August or September, I think, about four years ago, and he said to me, oh, "Xavier's not doing the best at mathematics at school." I said, "Oh, well, what's going on?" And he said, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to get him to really focus on maths. Like, he just doesn't care about it. I said, mm. okay, do you want him to be good? And he said, well, yeah, of course I do. And I said, you need to link it to his values. So understand yeah. his values. You don't need to give them the test. Just watch their behavior. What does he love doing? And he said, oh, he loves playing computer games. He loves building things. Uh, he loves like constructing stuff. 
and he loves physical exercise and physical movement. I said, okay, cool. We're talking like a nine-year-old kid here. Hmm. And I said, okay, what what computer games does he play? And then Justin said he loves playing Minecraft. Now, I've never played it before. I know nothing about it. And he said, you build stuff with it. And I went, all right, yeah, cool. And I said, you've got to figure out a way of showing him that that's mathematics. Hmm. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, Justin said, oh, I've been teaching him like addition, multiplication, and division. And I don't know how he did it. This is, you know, Justin figured all this out. And um, he said, look, I've been teaching him mathematics through Minecraft and showing him how it helps him to be better at the game. Yeah, well. Anyway, just before Christmas time, we're talking like start of December, um, that same year, Justin rings me and he goes, dude, you'll never guess what. And I said, what's going on? And he goes, Xavier asked for mathematics books for Christmas. Wow. And I said, you've got to be shitting me. And he said, I think I overcooked it. <laughs> so you know, we had a bit of a laugh. But it was because now Xavier understands that using mathematics, he can play the games better. Mm. So it's not overlaying it on his values. It's actually linking it to his values. Mm. So like I have a high value on teaching, learning, um, teaching, learning, and coaching. That's my highest value. And my second highest value is... Um, like uh, connection, but I only really like connecting with people that I can teach or that I can learn from or that I can coach. Mm. So I like surrounding myself with people that I learn off of and bounce ideas or they want to learn from me. I like that type of environment. And then I've got business and wealth creation as my third highest. So um, what I found was I really struggled doing sales in business because my second highest value of like social connection, I wanted to like fit in. I wanted to teach people. So I would get on the phone and I'd spend two hours doing a coaching session, which I'm supposed to be selling a product and a service, but I'm, I'm coaching. Yeah. What I did was I actually grabbed, I wrote uh, in a journal, what's the benefit of selling? And then what I, what I did was I went through and linked a hundred reasons or 200 reasons that are the benefit of the person if I sold them instead of coaching them. Mm. And what I realized is it created an accountability. It kept them accountable for their own goals that people don't pay attention unless they pay for shit. And so what I'm actually doing is I'm helping them to create that accountability to move forward towards their own dreams. Mm. If I don't sell them and I give them free advice, people don't take that shit seriously most of the time. They'll yeah. take a little bit, but they don't... When you're in pain, like when I've got to pay for something and it hurts, I'm like, i got to get the, the most out of it. i got to fucking... You're emotionally invested. 100%. And so what I realized was I was doing a disservice to my own values of coaching, teaching, and also mm. learning because most of my money, I reinvest back into study and, and coaching, like getting coached and traveling and, and learning off of others. So I was doing a massive disservice to myself and also the client by not closing them on sales. Mm. So it wasn't that I've got to sit there and logically think about it. It's just now my brain goes, ah, it's linked to my values. If you don't close this person, they're not going to get the result that they want. They're not. Yeah. Right? Like I can't spend an hour on the phone with someone and give them the same worth that I can like if they join our, our business mastermind, they they get a year with me and a mm. year in an environment of other business owners that are, that are producing millions of dollars every year. Like, yeah. So linking is really important. Now that brings us back to, um, so, so values are super important. Linking to values is super important. But then that brings us back to self-sabotage. Yeah. Self-sabotage is prioritizing shit in the incorrect order within your own value structure. And then you label it as self-sabotage. So if my highest value is teaching, learning, and coaching, and my second highest value is, I call it high value connection or or, or leadership, like influential connections. Um, that's what I label it as. Now, if I'm if I've got let's say gym and exercise, that's yeah. physical appearance and physical movement is my third highest value. Like I love training, I love exercise. I've got my own gym at home, all of that stuff. 
So I love training, but if the business needs me, I will prioritize the business over exercise because at the moment, business is a higher value of mine than physical movement. Mm. Now, some people go, well, that's self-sabotage. I don't label it as self-sabotage. It's just directing me back to my values. Yeah, well. So if you've got a mum, and let's say her highest value is family, and then her second highest value is, is um, so let's say it's family, then it's uh, like health and wellness. Yeah. And then the, actually, sorry, I'm going to change that. Their first, first value is family. Second highest value is um, financial stability. And then the fourth, uh, the third highest value is uh, health and well-being. Yeah. Right. So the top three values. Now, let's say she's married, husband's highest value is career. So he works a lot, but he also provides good financial stability for the family. So that makes the mother feel safe and, and all of that sort of stuff. Second highest value for him might be social connection also. So he likes hanging out with people and, and catching up with people. And then he might have a value on uh, like physical fitness. Mm. Now, let's say the mum goes, you know, I haven't been looking after myself. I'm going to commit to the gym and I'm going to go five days a week. So she does that for a couple of weeks. But now all of a sudden, her family are sick. So the kids are at home sick. Yeah. What will happen is she will reprioritize based on unfulfilled highest values. That family is more important in her own unconscious state than going to the gym. So then she's at home for a couple of days with the family looking after the family because that's her true priority. That's her true highest priority. But she may label that as self-sabotage. And she goes, you know what? I just self-sabotaged by not going to the gym. Like I really, and so now she's starting to self-defeat and start to self-depreciate and beat herself up. And mm. she labels that as self-sabotage. When it's not, all it is, is just saying family at the moment is a higher value and a higher priority. And until that value is taken care of, it's hard for me to progress to the other priorities. Yeah. Which is also the reason why financial stability is her second highest value. Yet she chose not to go to work for the week because she was at home looking after her family. Mm. She actually prioritized her life in the right order based on her values. Yeah. But because she expects that they shouldn't be that way and she's got this unrealistic expectation of her values, now she calls that self-sabotage. There's actually no such thing as self-sabotage. It's just a reprioritization of unfulfilled values. Mm. Once you realize it's that, life becomes so much easier and you don't beat yourself up about it. You're just like, yeah. Yeah. I just can't go to the gym this week. Family's more important. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Remember to tune in tomorrow for the next part of this four-part series. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate this podcast by clicking the stars on the podcast home screen and follow to get notified for when new episodes drop.